0: Welcome back to the Relentless Minds Podcast. I am your host, Lori Jimenez. I created this platform with a sole mission, and that is to inspire people of all backgrounds to create the change they wish to see in their lives and in the world by sharing the examples of those who are. As a listener, you will hear the stories of ordinary men and women with extraordinary stories of overcoming adversities in order to experience the life they dream of. All of these individuals share a common interest, they desire a change for the better and they are in a relentless pursuit to create that for themselves. If you're looking for inspiration to overcome challenges in your own life to create a life that you desire to have, then you have come to the right place. You see, the truth is, people everywhere are fighting for what they believe in and together with relentless action and mental strength, I have no doubt that we can fulfill that dream. Welcome back to the Relentless Minds podcast. I am your host, Lori Jimenez. For today's episode, I brought on a special guest all the way from Kenya, East Africa, who shares her story and her struggle in getting an education, growing up, and escaping the cultural traditions of her small Masai community. The name of our guest is Caroline Sunte, and she is an advocate for women's rights and has had the opportunity to impact the lives of 10,000 women in helping them find their voices and fight for a better life. Caroline comes from a small tribe where female genital mutilation, also known as FGM, and child marriage is prominent. Her fate was to be married off as a preteen only to spend the rest of her life in silence and as the property of a man from her tribe. She would have never been given the chance to receive an education, to get ahead in life, nor to make a name for herself. Caroline was presented with the opportunity to choose a different life through the sacrifices of her mother, who fought with her father to the point of being beaten and was shunned by her community due to rejecting their traditions? Caroline's mother did all of this in the hopes that Caroline and her four sisters would have the chance for a better future. And that is exactly what Caroline did. In this episode, we'll learn what it's like being a woman in the Maasai tribe and how Caroline took strength from her mother's example and began to pave the way for a brighter future for herself and thousands of other women. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for being here today to talk to us about your life growing up in the Maasai tribe and how it is for women growing up in the Maasai tribe in Africa, and also to let us know about the things that you're doing now and what you've been able to accomplish in your life and what you're now working towards to help other women also in your community to pursue their dreams and to have the support to do that. Thank you so much, Caroline, for being here. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you to start, um, if you could just give us a little bit of um, an idea of how it was growing up for you um, in the Maasai tribe. So how it was with customs, um, treatment towards women, what your dreams were, what was it like for you growing up?
1: Right. Thank you. So my name is Carolyn Sunte, and I grew up in a Maasai village here in Kenya a small town called narok i grew up in a family of eight being the fifth born and growing up in a masai community was like a constant struggle to find your place especially as a girl it's a male-dominated society so when i grew up in a big family much of the time we did not even have time to dream or even have books around you my daily problem and struggle was around my parents quarrel. um Apparently, my father was a drunk, and throughout his life till his death, all we knew and all we had around us was beer. I couldn't have an opportunity even to have seen books anywhere. So we grew up in a small village. It was a mud house with some grass on top. It was a two-room house. We had these struggles in terms of education, even getting to enroll in primary education and up to high school level. But I had that passion inside me that one day or one time I will be able to change this male-dominated society, or even have a voice within for my siblings and myself. Uh, when I joined school, I didn't went through my education at my home place. I was working as a house help for one of our villages around. Was an able man through the small uh, stipend that I could get from the family for me to be able to attend to school. So my mom took the role of being a breadwinner for the family in the absence of my dad and it reached a time that much of the time my father was drunk and he could hit her and sometimes all of us until he came up when she was paralyzed part of her arms especially the palm and her fingers and she couldn't work anymore so I had to step out and work for my siblings that's when I began to work as a household for one of our neighborhood. So the little fee I could get from the family will take me to school, and at times the teachers within the school will contribute within themselves, end of each school year, for me to be able to acquire my personal needs. And that's how I took my primary education. Coming to the high school level, I did not had an opportunity even to join Form 1, which was a requirement by the current uh, education, country education requirements or policy in place. So the teachers had to contribute within themselves as well to be able to acquire some needs and personal supplies to attend school. But it was really a struggle because the people that I met there were, it was a high school or a special or a prestige school for that value because of the uh, schools that I attended in the primary school. So we had kind of, I was stigmatized in a way. They could look at me in a way. You didn't belong to this class. This is a village girl. Another from, you know, several other kilometers from another village. So, uh, but within me, I had that focus and having in mind that, I need to change what is happening. I need to change my family problem. That was the dream I had at school. I never dream of being anyone or being anything around the society. But actually what I wanted was how could I help my mom and dad. Mm. So that's how I met Asante Africa Foundation. It's a non-governmental organization. Uh, so through their scholarship, I began to volunteer with them. And that's how they offered me a scholarship. So the scholarship helped me to put myself through education as well as for my siblings. Really, we had struggles in terms of the cultural norms, especially female genital, which is very common here, and child marriage. The reason behind my parents' moral was especially in our family. We are five of us as the girls. So my, what my father grew, knowing that we had to be married, in, and the bride price was that like a prestige thing by that time, and she, she couldn't have missed to get that because of the community around what people will say about us and so forth. So my mom really fought for us, and that's how I escaped to undergo the genital cut, which is common to almost all the girls that we grew up together in in our village. But my mom really stepped forward and said, this is what I want to be done and have a voice over my daughters. And that's how she was healed. And then at times, she was even locked by the community members within a room a dark room for like five days, so she went missing, and you know, it was a whole like news in the village, and everyone was like, what has happened, what did this woman want, what did she want for her daughter?" so she was really treated like an outcast in the community, or really for going against the norms of the community, mm. so that's how the law intervened, and from there, my father uh, decided to run from home, and she went for Another neighboring country that is Tanzania. For about seven years, he was away, and my mom was released, and he had all this struggle now getting acceptance back from the community. Everyone will treat her like another intruder. She's against the norms. She doesn't want the girls to undergo the cut. So what did she? So she had all these fights even within the family and outside the family
0: sphere. You said but, that. Um, I'm sorry. You said that your mother. You said that your mother was. Um, she left. The, the community for seven years?
1: She, she was locked within the community for some months, but my father ran away from home after he realized that the administration or the police administration had taken some measures against him. Oh, so, decided did run away from home. So, uh, that's how we escaped the cut with my sisters and that's how I value the education and, you know, had this dream within myself that, you know, I'll make a voice Not necessarily to shout, but to have their rights and not to undergo the cut. Because after the cut, immediately what will follow was the marriage. It will come with some price. and not really beneficial to the girl because what was addressed to the girl is a kind of the benefit for the bride price. It was only a colorful dress that you'll be sent off after some rituals being performed. And then the family will benefit from two to three cows and they'll be given some other colorful dresses. That's the end of the ceremony. So looking at that value versus the value of an educated girl. Because my mom was able to stand and fight for us, then I'll stand up and raise a voice for someone else to be able to acquire their ground.
0: Wow, that's wonderful.
1: Yes. So I really grew at the Santa Africa Foundation in terms of even sharpening and honing my social skills and leadership skills in place, and also opening up so many other opportunities like entrepreneurship. So when I volunteered with them, uh, we had this leadership training for the youth happening uh, every year. So I happened to attend one. And through this leadership, I actually get to open up and see some other opportunities, entrepreneurship, just spark those uh, leadership qualities within myself. Mm-hmm. So when I came back home and I like, look at around, there is this available and see what I would be able to do to support the family because still yet I was being employed somewhere while I was school. Over my holiday, I could go to my neighborhood, work for some money to keep the family going. So after the training, we were taught on some leadership and entrepreneurship skills, which I came back home. So I decided to run an Orange Anchor at home. I Africa really helped me to connect to some of the you know investors around and people around who had the same idea. So that's how I got the Orange Seedlings and mm-hmm. take them back and
0: how the whole entrepreneurship concept came in. Yeah. And Caroline I would like us to um, backtrack just a little bit because there are so many key elements here that are so important that I feel that even like coming into, going into it a little bit more to really understand um, the process of these things and how they went about. Um, And that, including that is, um, you know, your mother, first starting with your mother. So your mother seems to have been, a great influence on you and also um, you know in a, in a way like a, a mentor a mentor to be able to show you you know that you can fight for uh, the, what you want and so when it comes to her mentorship um, because now you're in a position of, of mentoring other women um, what are, what is it that you, that she's been able to teach you that you now use to mentor other girls
1: Right. I'll say importantly to a mentor, at times it's very important to communicate what you know and be able to give people really helpful information. Towards my mother, towards what she has done, she has really been communicating to me what really matters in terms of my needs. Being able to value education as part of the only field that could, you know, put you off from these cultural norms. At the same time, my mom instilled some entrepreneurship skills within us. Because throughout her life she was a a street vendor. She was selling water around the streets. And to a time when she came to be paralyzed and her arms were paralyzed, she couldn't do anything anymore. And continue with the same spirit within the family to be able to acquire, you know, the family needs for the siblings. So the entrepreneurship aspect and really having my mother saying every day, I believe in you, I believe you can do it better. I believe you can talk, you know for the others who are able to do
0: for themselves. That's really helped me. Beautiful. Wow, incredible. And I think that is so important because it's, you know, when, since you were raised somewhere where you were expected to have a certain lifestyle and she was introducing a different lifestyle and, and a belief in you, that belief I know can work wonders. Um, when, it uh-huh. comes, when it comes to your upbringing and just being part of the Maasai tribe, um, you were mentioning some difficulties regarding FGM and child marriage. What is it that um, girls growing up in your in that community in the, as a Maasai tribe member, um, what is a life that's expected for them to lead?
1: Really, in a Maasai community, what I will say, growing up, approaching puberty, and then you kind of being mature now to become a woman to someone, and then you're married off. So the whole cycle kind of circulates within the girls' in your know, lifespan. You think of one time I'll be a girl, one time I'll be a woman, one time I'll be someone's property. So that's the whole mentality. But having one who is educating or even having an open mind, so is that fight, they look at you as an intruder.
0: So you said that it makes it makes you viewed as an intruder when you don't follow the norms uh, or expectations of the community. Right. And when since you were pursuing a different life and you were trying to um, pursue education and and these dreams that you had, what were the challenges that you had to face personally um, to pursue those dreams?
1: Yeah, one is isolation. It, it came a time you could, you know, be alone. Some people will isolate from you. So segmentation was really a challenge to us. And also the other thing, when you come home now after being located, we went out, we got education and some other opportunities and some of the jobs, and we still come back home with the say. So actually, when you like do such in your cycle, people feel like, oh, she's coming to show or something. But over time, some of these community members have already begun to see the value of education. So over time, we've gained acceptance and they're like, could you give us an idea of how did you went through this? How did you move to this level? How did you acquire that job or something?
0: And so in your mentorship, how do you encourage these girls to dream big and to believe in their potential?
1: One of the key things really I believe in is the, is the voice. For myself, I really have an opportunity now to do what I can do for myself. I no longer depend on others, maybe my parents, to make a decision for me. So normally what I encourage them is speak your mind, what you think is right for you, just speak up. You'll get attention at some point. So I really emphasize in terms of voices being able to stand up and speak for themselves.
0: I think that's very important that you said that in the beginning they ignore you, but, you know, if you keep it up and you keep, you keep persevering, you keep speaking up, eventually you'll be heard. And I think that's a very, very important um, principle to teach these young girls because just kind of hearing the story it's, and kind of knowing the background of the Maasai tribe is that, you know, women are, are subjugated and they're not viewed as influential or as important even in a way um, and so speaking up and just showing that they do have importance is, is, a, very, is a very powerful move. And I would like, Caroline for you to, to speak to us about, because you're in the forefront of the issues that women have to deal with in the Maasai tribe, which comes to the child marriage and the female genital mutilation. Can you tell us a, some more about these and how it affects women? Thank you. So for
1: one, um, FGM female female genital cutting actually uh, limits the woman opportunities within even the community for one they take this as a right of passage once you've undergone the cut the next stage that follows is you've been married off and from that line you became someone else's property managed by someone else you're not even able to raise your voice so one of the struggles that the Muslim women really have is able to talk or raise their voices in terms of decision making Men uh, believe or treat to be the decision makers in the family in terms of finances, in terms of the leadership of the families, or other things around the management of the family. It's wholesomely the man to do and to carry out all of these activities. So from that uh, perspective, women tend to have low self-esteem and confidence in themselves. They believe they can't do anything, since the man is, you know, is the whole household ruler. So women lack voices, and to this, it diminishes some of the opportunities. I know some of these women are not even educated. Some of them have never went to school. And at some point, I could say education is highly correlated to your sexual like autonomy. You don't even have a right over your body as a woman to say, this is what I believe in. but even having family planning. Some are being denied by the husbands. In terms of economic empowerment, they'll say the man will work for the family. Your work will be to be here at home, manage the, the lifestyle within the home, or even just cook for that man in terms of even political leadership you know women are not even given space to exercise their rights even in terms of voting the man has to decide for you whom to vote for so these cultural norms has really uh limit the women' opportunity and even their abilities to do some other things They cannot do anything it's a man to choose for you what to do and what best fit for you in terms of career choices for those even educated, even at this point, I could hear some of my uncles and uncles say, I thought you would be a teacher. I thought you would take this course. So at times they influence, even in your career choice, you have to go for what they believe for. I think for you being a teacher or something else, you know, we bring earning that will support the family and the whole extended community. So decision-making is really diminished for women and their powers.
0: Wow. So women really are just primed to be the property of men. Right? So they're just primed from an early age. What age is it that they start to prepare them for marriage, which is the female genital mutilation, the FGM?
1: Uh, interestingly, it happens in two stages. Uh, majorly at around uh, ages 10 to 13, immediately when they approach puberty, And then you have another uncle where these uh, girls are being married or the bride price is being even at their birth. Once maybe um some mother delivered somewhere in the village, a family will come and say will want to book your daughter to be so and so's wife in the future, and they'll pay the bride price. Yep. So we have most people pre like pre-booked. you have been pre-booked before even you get to grow and know yourself. And some will be approached at puberty.
0: And what would happen? What would happen if uh, these girls, let's say the ones who are pre-booked, or even and that's a horrible way to say, but if they were you know paid for beforehand. Or if they were paid for, you know, when they start uh, approaching them later on in life, um, what happens if these girls were to rebel against these practices?
1: So, what actually happens to these girls is really a struggle because they are not, they did not appear anywhere in terms of the decision making. It's about the family or the parents to make that decision because it's the other family and they could agree on the price in the absence of the girl. So, if you get to rebel, at times you're being given some punishment within the community they will send you somewhere to be trained on how to be a good woman or even submissive to that man. At times when that girl rebels, they could substitute with a sister in the same house and say your sister will be married off to this man because you had long relationships or family friendships.
0: Yeah. Wow. You also mentioned that a lot of these women, it seems that um, they just don't know about their rights because of the lack of education as well. Right? And so sure. they just kind of go along with, with what's being presented in front of them. And you pursued also your, your own education. And can you tell us about that value in your life and that story of how you pursued your own education and why it was so important to you to do that?
1: Thank you. For one, I always believe in my voice. My voice really contributed to my success alongside having my mom as my mentor. Throughout my life, even when I was a young kid, my mother would say, you're so much kind of focused, and she could speak even when things were wrong or right. You could only say this is right or this is. So upon that, it happened that we, within the village, we had some other wealthy families or wealthy uh, neighbors within the neighborhood. So I could see them going to school. But I really had no idea in my mind, like, what was this education? How is it helpful for My problem at that particular time was how do I get off these quarrels between my mom and my dad? Even though my mother wasn't educated, she was really so focused. So I think over time she was so tired about the chaos in the family brought by my father. And over time he wanted to use us uh, to actually cut down some of these challenges. And she could say, I'll fight my ground and walk on my knees to ensure that you acquire this opportunity for you. Are. So actually that instilled to me the confidence of saying, yes, I'll want to go to school like any other child. Attending school outside the family really was an opportunity to me because I grew up in someone else's family working while going to school as well. So that gave me some peaceful time actually to concentrate on the books and really saw what matters to me. But if I could have been Staying at home like any other child or mother, my siblings, I think there could be limits within the family. So actually that exposure or seeing other kids, because I was employed in our family, I could see their children go to school, come back, you know, busy, happy with their assignments in the evening and homework. And that really gave me like a keen interest. I also want to be one.
0: Wow. And you met Asante Africa, which is the organization that helped you to pursue this dream. And how did they help you to do that?
1: I think the power of volunteerism really led me to acquire this position. I began volunteering with them while I was in high school, and I could work, and the willingness and the passion within me mentoring other young girls really made my expectation. So really that made my passion, and I said, yes, these were the girls that I wanted to share my story with. So uh, meeting with asante Africa and being a mentor and a volunteer over time, that's how I acquired my position as a program coordinator. And within that passion, they were able to give me space also to help me grow in my professional. So over time, I've been working with over 10,000 girls. Some other are pastoralist communities in Kenya who are also struggling with the same
0: issue. Incredible. You are helping 10,000 girls and working with 10,000 girls. That is amazing, amazing work. What is it that you, what is your goal to help these women now, with your with your mentorship, what do you want them to be able to achieve for themselves?
1: Thank you. Majorly what I want to see in them is having their voices. And I actually, much of the time, I have this spirit of paid for. I always tell them, what has been done to me by someone else, put that effort to do such a thing to someone else. So it's like, like tell a friend to tell a friend. So voices really matters to me. My voice gave me an opportunity to be able to speak, to work, to freely, to move to other places, meeting other societies and organizations and communities, and seeing other things, you know, getting the whole
0: empowerment. Absolutely. And all of that is very important. And when it comes yeah. to the women and their economic situation, because now you're, you're an entrepreneur. You have your own company. You're selling oranges. Um, I'd love for you to talk to us about your entrepreneur endeavors and also um, how you feel this could help women in your community to also have a voice and to gain some more influence.
1: Sure. Actually, entrepreneurs should do help in terms of uh, giving the women the autonomy and their independence for themselves to be able to make some of the decisions. Uh, the current society that we live in, People tend to believe that when you have money, you are going to have a voice. When you have control over your resources, you have a voice. So once you have something that you own, people will respect you for that. And they look at you as you have something valuable that people will look up to. So having the orange anchor has really instilled the entrepreneurship spirit even within the family. And so many other girls will look up and say, I'll want to own one to be able to acquire my needs rather than looking into the massive pockets of men to be able to provide for you and make decisions for you for what to do. So for that alone could give me space in terms of making decisions and mentoring other, helping other agas and young women see that they can be able to do for themselves. The other thing is um, once women are able to own something or even acquire land or something, I think it comes with some respect. You know, men tend to like, um, be, you can't oppress this kind of a woman. It's so, you know, she's having her own abilities to make decisions and she can be able to take you to another step. So it comes with some dignity, it comes with some empowerment, able to choose for yourself what you can be able to do. Also having the sexual uh, rights, because much of the women tend to rely on the men to be able to make decisions for themselves about their bodies and what they believe. So having your own finances, you can even choose what you want for yourself, how you want your family to look like. And what kind of or life
0: you admire. So you're saying that women in the Maasai tribe even look to men when it comes to making decisions about their own bodies? Yes. So when it comes to making a change in all of this, it seems like there's a lot of structures in place in your community that it right. sets women up for failure, basically. So what do sure. you think? What are the Approaches? What are the things that need to be targeted in order to begin to make these changes so that women can have a voice?
1: Right. So, actually, in terms of the involvement with the community that I currently do, is to ensure that all voices are represented. For that case, I try to create a system where everyone believes in the community. Since these changes or lasting changes are deeply rooted into the community, for women to be able to have their voices, we have to involve the men who are the decision makers for the family. So one of the things that really Asante Africa focuses in is bringing men on board, whereby we have engagement meetings with men. It could be boys, elders in the community, the fathers of these youngers, And then we could show them like the value of an educated woman. How would you view this if you had one in your family? So we began to show them, not necessarily to make choices for them, but actually I give them choices and they can be able to choose for themselves what really works. In terms of even having the, the women given ways to be able to speak to themselves, what does it look like having or giving a woman some space maybe to take the decisions, to lead the decision within a family? What does it look like giving a woman some space maybe to have some income generation activities which will lessen the burden for you as a man to be able to provide for the rest of the family members so with that view that's how we approach the community and over time they have been receptive some have really changed and you have seen over time really girls are really coming up even to do what they want in the community
0: yeah that's what I was going to ask you about the uh, the men and how they're receiving this message that you're giving them about letting the women speak up and have a say what is there? what are the challenges that you've been facing with that
1: Yeah, right. One of the biggest challenges is the fear from the men. They tend to believe that once these women are educated, they can be able to take the power from them in terms of making decisions for the family. So actually, there's that fear that we don't want to release these women, we don't want to give them space because over time or some time to come, they could be leaders in the family. So there's that fear. The second thing is that once you tend to have some little or knowledge, especially around sex education or to health rights, uh, you tend to be treated as an intruder. Like you're bringing in something that's different from their, uh, their culture. What is this technology? How does it affect our cultural norms? Because for one, men tend to believe that all the social norms reflect like the formal structure for the society in the rules and the beliefs and the attitudes they have. So having a mind that seems enlightened in a way or giving women some power, they tend to not really supportive but over time we buy in the support we're involving especially the young boys we believe they are the fathers of tomorrow Mm -hmm. and they they are the people now speaking as send a boy to speak to a father not like a woman because a woman does not have a voice before a husband even any other man so we'll use the boys as the champions for this initiative so boys are really championing
0: that's incredible you guys are doing incredible work so the men are important the men are very very important because they're the ones who are are carrying out and and continuing on this this practice but when it comes to women and empowering women because you were you were in a position initially where you know you probably had the idea that you were going to have to fulfill these expectations, but it was your mother who told you otherwise, right? And so she was that that example and that mentor for you. So when it comes to the women, what do you think on that end is a very, very important thing to do for them so that they can begin to realize that they also need to take action? Sure.
1: So actually my communication with the women has actually been for any fear. Like fear doesn't bring any any difference so you have to speak and once you put that fear you're able to learn and you're able to express yourself because over the years and over time they tend to be silent or inactive in a way so actually we're trying to create some safe spaces for women to be able even to talk and express themselves Mm -hmm. really within themselves they have some potential they have some good ideas will take them to another level but having spaces to express themselves and really speak what they believe and what they have is an issue. So we tend to have women forums, and within this forum we can bring other role models or mentors within the community who have, you know, gone an extra mile. So that's how over time we've acquired the women's support and really, uh, you know, putting the fear out of them to be able to stand and speak for themselves.
0: Have you seen positive, significant positive reactions to your efforts? among women and among men?
1: Uh, I think among men is where we're having a positive reaction. Women tend not to conclude or make a decision from them themselves. Once mm. you tell them something, they'll say, wait until I confirm from my husband, wait what? until I confirm and this so then I'll give you, a go ahead, if I'll be able to be part of this initiative or not. So, uh, in the beginning, initially those were the responses, but over time they have really like woken up. It was like something that was dead, and they are like actually they are now open
0: up. So you're seeing you're seeing some positive results from the women, but still they're still h- hanging on to having to rely on their man for on the men for approval. But you are seeing more of a positive results when, with men. And so do you're you right. do you think that do you feel that a focus more on uh, the younger generations would be, you know, the way to pave the way forward for for changes in in the future. Yes,
1: okay. I'll say the young generation will pave way.
0: And you know, I love what you're doing, Caroline. It's incredible stuff. It's it's very very important stuff. When it comes Thank to you. absolutely, and when it comes to even these things that you've done for yourself and when it comes to acquiring the position in a Santes Africa organization that you have and having your own company, your own business, how has this impacted how you feel about yourself when it comes to what you're capable of achieving and what you're capable of, of doing with helping other people?
1: Uh, so actually, having that like financial independence within yourself gives a voice in terms of the decision. I could look at beginning with my family. Much of the time you find my mom and my siblings, really depending on which in terms of decisions within the family, they could talk of what they think is right for the family and then you like being treated like the final decision maker for the family. So once you have your own financial independence, you tend to be a decision maker for the family. As well, uh, the entrepreneurship has really helped, not only within the family, but extended. Our community people have really come to learn. What have you done so far? You know, how did you came to do this idea? How did you came to do this? And I've seen other girls, you know, imitating the same, and the repo the ripple effect is really, uh, really spreading for them to be able to generate some little income for themselves and lessen the burdens within the family. Uh, so actually, I've, I look at myself as a role model to so many other young girls who are looking up to me with so many admiration and say. I'd love to do what she's doing. I'd love to be one in the future. Mm-hmm. So on the same, it tends to give people assurance or assurance that it's true. Education do help. Education is valuable.
0: That's very important. And I believe that you're an incredible role model as well. And I wanted to um, ask you, because I am curious, when it comes to the the methods that you're using to help women to gain the skills that they need, to find their, you know, find their voice, to open up their own businesses. What are those methods that you have to help these women and men?
1: Sure. So actually, with the program that I have in place within the community organization that I have for myself and working for Asante, we normally focus them to focus on in terms of improving their social aspect, health as well, and financial. I believe once all these aspects are put together and really being strengthened within a woman. It will focus on building their financial health outcomes and financial autonomy. So, focusing on improving their social skills to be able to interact know, connect social networks within the community to be able to to help themselves and also having the financial skills in place to be able to empower. We believe once you have this empowerment in terms of the finances, you're able to make decisions and speak for themselves. So, the other that we focus in is the health aspect, ensuring that women have rights in terms of their bodies, get the right information about their bodies, and also being able to make some of the decisions, even in terms of relationship and your for their bodies. So we've really been focusing on these key three areas for the girls and for the women. And over time we've really seen some dramatic changes.
0: This is all very, very important work that you're doing and I would love to know how other communities, once hearing the story and once knowing of the the amazing work that you're doing for these girls, for these boys, for the next generations to come, how can other people get involved to help to create the changes that are necessary?
1: All right. Thank you. So actually, currently what I'm doing, because you cannot be everywhere, I tend to plant a seed within a community, do something little and then make like a ripple effect also instilling to people the paid forward aspect which really spread faster. So we've actually been using social media in terms of raising the women's voices, ensuring that they speak for themselves and also being able to raise other role models within other communities for this message to be able to spread all over for other women. We're also championing boys as champions in the program to be able to spread the whole gospel to the rest of the community, ensuring that it's coming from the male or the, from the men, that's not the girls now who are speaking for their rights. Because I believe some of these issues are tend to be a whole kind of structural intervention, requiring intervention within an individual itself, also from a family level, looking at the school level, where these girls attend, at the community level and a national level. So at times, partners do work in terms of ensuring that the right policies are in place for the girls and women to be able to have spaces within the community. So it's a whole structural issues we are beginning at
0: the community level. Wonderful. Well, I have no doubt, Caroline, that you're going to continue forward to work on this for many, many, many years to come. And I'm excited to right. see the progress and, and to see the changes that happen so that these women can be empowered and can find their voice and uh, start creating a better future for themselves. And I wanted to thank you so much for being here today, sharing the story and sharing awareness on your community and what those women are enduring, and also the the amazing work that you're doing to help them. Sure. Thank you. So, Carolyn, my final question to you is, what is the message that you would like to say to all of the girls and women in the world who are listening to you on this episode today?
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I would love to talk to all women and girls across the world. And I normally say this, say what you need to say. And the more you speak it out, the easier it becomes. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Caroline. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and feel inspired and would like to be a part of the Relentless Minds community, you can join the Movement for Change on Instagram and Twitter. We would also love to know how your experience has been as a listener. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast. Join us next week for another powerful story. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.